0: Episode number three of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, Politics of Prepping. My name is Eric and I'm the host of the show. I'm based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3EPN for all the other ham operators out there, and computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline in emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Hi there. My name is Ian. I'm a co-host of the
1: show. I live on Vancouver Island on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, hunter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. My wife and I are striving to be less reliant by relearning skills that are, for the most part, being lost to our generation. I've had lifelong interest in preparedness, and I'm gladly learning new skills on a regular basis. My professional background has allowed me to see pretty much every climate zone, province, and territory in Canada, it has also taught me to prepare for various unexpected situations daily.
0: So after we've caught up on the latest news, tonight's episode will be focused on the politics of prepping. We're also going to give you some updates on how we've progressed with our personal preparedness and steps we've taken to help improve it. So for per, uh, personal preparedness this this past month, finished harvesting up our garden, uh, started getting ready for what we can uh, for the wintertime. We've also started canning of some of the uh, materials that we uh, harvest from the garden, uh, I'm especially excited about the hot peppers that we got this year. I'm going to be making some uh, red pepper jelly out of them and uh, some hot hot sauce as well. Also got the, uh, the generator all, all ready to go, changed oil out, uh, checked the air intake. Uh, I've got a whole home uh, generator that uh, powers the entire place uh, if the power does go out. So it's important to make sure that it's maintained and it's uh, running as efficient as possible.
1: As for myself, on the west coast, uh, we've uh, set up our water catchment system for one of our chicken coops. It basically allows us to uh, be less reliant on the water from the well, uh, basically on the average of 50 inches of rain per year on the West Coast, which is quite a bit. And I did some quick calculating with the 12 by 12 roof of the chicken coop. That allows us to collect about 4,485 gallons per year, which works works out to about 17,000 litres just off the one roof. Uh, There's a handy little calculator you can find online just with a quick Google search that will allow you to figure out how much water you can collect off any sort of roof. But the problem is, is catchment is one thing storage is another because of course with all that water flowing off i don't have that many barrels so uh that will be the next project down the road i'm sure
0: anything else eric uh, that's another good uh, good thing to mention being on a well uh, with the the whole house generator i've got here we're on a well as well so uh, if the power goes out we have no water so it's uh, the added bonus of getting the uh, the generator running there is we can uh, still run the, the pumps and get the water out of the well Absolutely that works for us as well as soon as the power goes out we have no
1: water so without a backup generator we're pretty much lost so of course we have ours as well that basically we have a on a trailer to run down to the pump house just in case it does come up and then uh,
0: uh, basically give us an immediate water supply if, if required. Yeah, and I the uh the idea of the uh, the water storage there's is, uh is important as well. It's something I want to build into my uh my list of things here at the house at some point. Uh, right now we really don't have much for for water storage. It's got the the one rain barrel out the back, but sounds like you're uh you're well on your way to get some storage going. Well, that's another whole podcast episode to itself, I would think. I think so. Yeah, we're going to have to get some show notes together for that and yeah, for sure it's going to be a future uh future thing to cover off. Uh well, let's get into some uh, latest headlines. So I've got uh, an article here from October 17th from CNN in regards to uh, Hurricane Michael. Uh, the death toll rises to 29, including uh, 19 in Florida. As far as hurricanes go, uh, don't really see them here in, in Ontario, but uh, we do see some pretty good rainstorms and uh, and ice storms, et cetera, uh, which could obviously cause uh, some kind of effects in, uh, in the area that you're living. Uh, so just read a little bit here from it uh, six days after hurricane michael pulverized uh, parts of florida officials had or officials had uh, more grim and devastating news the death toll from the storm soared tuesday to 19 in the state with a dozen victims uh in hard hit uh, bay county according to authorities uh, so a couple of things we want to cover off here i know it's not a uh, canadian article but i just want to talk uh, quickly about riding out storms or leaving before the crowds Something you need to think about when uh, you're putting your preparedness plan into place is uh, if a major storm's coming your way, you're usually you're notified of it 24 hours or so. Uh, the, the local news will be talking about it. You got to start thinking, am I, am I going to ride this out? Should I be hitting the road and getting out of here before it comes in? So things to keep in mind. If a big storm is coming, are you going to go and, and stock up? Are you going to try and beat the crowds? Do you have enough already at home to hunker down and, and, and stay and you don't have to worry about the crowds? Just a couple of things to keep in mind. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Ian. Absolutely. You
1: know, it doesn't have to be a hurricane, I think, to actually be a major enough storm to cause problems, you know, system-wide. Uh, we, we get something out here called the Pineapple Express, so this is basically just a leftover hurricane coming off Hawaii. And uh, same thing happens, just high winds, heavy rain, It just just not officially named or, you know, not as much media hype behind it. I think any, any storm that's serious enough to knock out the power lines is something to consider for sure. And I mean... Uh, not so much an evacuation in our case or anything else, but certainly is with trees coming down, even uh, heavy winds, window breaking, you know, roof damage, anything else
0: like that. You should always keep that in mind of stuff that can happen for sure. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of like the, the heavy winds, we had that uh, just a couple of months ago here uh, where I am, where we actually had a couple of trees come down on the property. Um, luckily, nothing hit the house. One came pretty close. But um, something to keep in mind is, you know, having some stuff in, on hand to, to board up your place if you have to, you know, a couple of old boards that'll fit over some windows and some way to, to tack that on to, to cover up your house. If you, you think something's coming and you got trees in the area, you got something that might fall and, and hit your house, being able to kind of protect a little bit could help you down the road, especially if you decide to, to hunker down and, and stay for the storm. Oh, absolutely, because I mean, you
1: you look at the newscasters and they're, you know, they're covering articles or showing stories of where people are, you know, raiding the Home Depot because they're all rushing at the last minute to grab, you know, a bag of, uh, roll of poly or, you know, some uh, sheets of OSB or anything else like that. You know, it's great thinking on their part now, but it should probably should have been something they thought about six months before when they knew hurricane season was coming. But, you know, it's just, it's always the last minute thing for them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, nobody... uh... Nobody wants to actually plan ahead for this stuff. They think the uh, the whole notion of it won't ever happen to me or it kicks in, right? And then all of a sudden you're you're right in the thick of it and you're realizing, uh oh, it, it uh yeah, it is happening to me, but it's it's too late because everybody else is coming to that realization as well. And uh everybody's rushing the depot to to get all their supplies and nine times out of ten, it's already all gone. Or well, the best part is if they haven't sold out
1: before with generators, usually right after the storm passes, that's when they're they're definitely gone for sure. So oh.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everybody will pick them up and, and start buying everything they can think of uh, afterwards. And problem is, is they just leave it sit in the garage or they leave it sit somewhere, right? And they don't maintain it. They don't run it. They don't learn how to use it ahead of time, which is something else you'll want to do. Anything you, you do end up buying, you're, make sure you know how to use it in a controlled environment where you're not rushing around uh, thinking of a million things and with the big adrenaline dump going on. Um, but yeah, they'll leave it sitting. And the next time they, they go to use it, if something else happens, it's uh a they don't know how to use it or B it hasn't been maintained so it's broken.
1: Well that's it's typical you know with any piece of gear whether it be a you know anything a hunting knife a flint and steel or whatever I mean you still have to try your gear and, and make sure it works for you and then uh, make sure you know how to use it before you actually rely on it in, in like, an emergency event.
0: Oh absolutely yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly key.
1: Other than that uh, I think I've got uh, one article I'd like to cover as well. Sure. It's called uh, Snow Won't Go and it's uh, dated from October 11th uh, this year. Just a couple weeks ago now, um, but interestingly enough, you know, Manitoba is no stranger to snow, but uh, they got it unseasonably early there. They actually had a storm come up. According to the CBC, there was only supposed to, you know, dump about three or four centimeters on the highway and end up dumping 20 centimeters. which of course quite the difference. It. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a solid eight inches of snow. I uh, know, you know, not everybody has their snow tires on by this point or anything else. And uh, certainly they're probably not prepared for an overnight stay on a highway when the highway shuts down. So, of course, uh, that leads to another episode uh, topic of down the road of uh, car kits, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think everybody's been stuck on the highway or in, a, in the snowbank at some point in their life if they live in Canada. I think, uh, you know, anything from just having snacks, watering a blanket on board, even a candle or a flashlight, I think would make you king of the road at that point because, uh, you know, it doesn't take much to uh, make things much more comfortable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Other than that, uh, so like I said, we'd certainly cover that off in another episode. But uh, like I said, even in Canada, you know, with a uh, area known for snow, it, it's not unusual to be caught un- unawares for sure. So I just wanted to cover that off. Uh, I'll put the link to this the
0: article in the show notes for sure. Great, yeah. I'll uh, I'll add the link to the article I discussed there in the show notes as well. So, uh, anyway, just listening and wants to read the uh, the articles any more detail. We've uh, touched on the basics, but you can certainly uh, open them up and and have a read for yourself and even if you want to flip us an email at some point and let us know what your thoughts are about the, uh, the articles and what you'd be doing uh, to prepare or, or if you have other suggestions, we'll certainly uh, get them out there. And, uh, we'll uh, mention at the end of the show, how you can get in contact with us. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the article there about, the uh, the snow just kind of coming out of nowhere. That's, uh, something that happens in Canada and we got to be ready for it. And, uh, it is the season. The snow is coming. It's, uh, the end of October. So before you know it, uh, we're going to be shoveling and, and moving uh, moving the white stuff for a while. And I know everybody's cursing and swearing at me now for saying that, but uh, it's coming, so let's, uh, let's be ready for it. It's a fact of life in most of Canada, for sure. You got it. All right, so let's move on to the main topic of the show, uh, the politics of prepping in Canada. You know, politics, you know, you, you mentioned the, to your friends or your family or a lot of people who are into this kind of thing, uh, being, uh, being preppers, they're uh, kind of hesitant to mention what it is that they... Uh, what they're doing, they don't want to really mention the fact that they're a prepper. First off, you have a bunch of stuff. You don't want people to necessarily know that you've got all this stuff stocked away and you're you're ready versus them not being ready. But as well, there's a, there's a little bit of a stigma that goes with it as well because uh, it's the mainline media that uh, you know has started some shows up um, that kind of portrays the prepper as that. Um, you know, that crazy person who, who sits around the house and just plans for doomsday all the time. And, you know, that's not necessarily the truth. Are those people out there? Of course they are. But for the the most part, um, people in the, uh, the prepper area or in the preparedness mindset are getting ready for even day-to-day things such as power outages or snowstorms or, or ice storms. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I don't think the TV show like Doomsday Preppers has done anybody any favors.
1: Uh, you know, I don't think anybody that's uh, involved in preparedness is sitting around with a gas mask on at all times just in case, the, you know, the, the bomb drops at the last minute or anything else. And,
0: no, certainly not.
1: And, I mean, uh, I also made a very special effort for this episode to remove the tinfoil from my hat for uh, just to talk back and forth with you. It makes less noise this way. But in all seriousness, it's uh, it's not a out there as most people would make it out to be. Actually, uh, most of the, the coworkers I actually have mentioned it to are kind of on board with the same idea. Most people in my kind of work, uh, they tend to be concerned with the what ifs so it actually it it works out well I mean I think most people have uh, received it well but people that probably don't want to hear it usually immediately lash out to the I guess the perception of the doomsday prepper type where you're sitting in a bunker you know ready to go but I don't think it uh, it's always dependent on what they've watched on TV it might also be dependent on where you're from as well oh fair enough yeah I think the uh, the slide certainly the last 20 years has been more towards like an urban versus a rural population majority and, uh, you know, if you talk to older people, I mean, canning or, you know, power ridges or anything else, it's just a everyday occurrence. Uh, younger people, they're likely, you know, raised in or migrating to cities nowadays. They don't want to hear about it. They're more interested in, you know, social media and everything else. They don't want to think about what would happen if the Internet dies or the cell phone service dies.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be, that'd be horrible, right? <laughs> what, what, would we, what would we do?
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, when you talk to most older people and they, you mentioned the fact that if you have chickens on the acreage or if you have, like, you know, meat rabbits or anything, you might want to, like, Think of doing, they'll either have something good to contribute, uh, tell you stories about when they add livestock or how they, you know, even give you canning food tips or anything else. I mean, most people uh, of older generations have, you know, knitting skills, so certainly hunted. A lot of the younger people I talk to, I mean, they've slid more towards the idea of just in time food, like takeout food, no storage in their apartments for, like, you know, anything beyond maybe a meal or two. I don't think anybody in an apartment has a cold cellar nowadays. No, <laughs> and certainly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, as far as the other perception too is, I mean, I, I actually, you know, even looking at my own family, um, there's nobody in the house here that can sew competently. I mean, my mom did, but she gave it up a long time ago. And I mean, thanks to everything from offshoring to China for cheap clothing, there's not much point in people learning how to sew when they can buy a t-shirt
0: cheaper at Walmart. Yeah, fair enough. And you gotta gotta think as well. Uh, just to, like your location could, uh, could change your mindset. Um, you know, the colder climates more preparedness-minded versus uh, warmer climates. Uh, you know, here here uh, in southern Ontario where I am in the Barrie area, you know, the heavy snow comes all the time, right? So you're, you're kind of always getting ready for it. You know what's coming. Uh, you got your shovel ready to go. You got your snowblower ready to go. But then again, you know, about 80 miles, 100 kilometers or so south of here in uh, – the big city of Toronto there a little f- couple flakes of snow and they they end up calling the military in right and uh, they they're not ready for it at all so uh yeah i, I, I had to poke at that wait. a little bit you know until my daughter that was a bit of a bit of a bit of a joke when i was living in alberta when that
1: happened and uh, we had a good laugh over that one.
0: Oh, yeah i was i was living in the area at that when that happened and uh i was just shaking my head when it was going on like really we're calling the military in The, the shovel of snow well, okay well here's what it is right and at least they uh, they came in, did what they had to do, and got the got the city going again. But uh, it's been a few years, but we're still poking fun at it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then uh, you know I touched on the the windstorms. That's uh, that's actually been a thing for for the last couple of years. Here is all of a sudden the winds just been kicking up, and we've been hitting you know hundred hundred and twenty kilometer an hour winds out of out of nowhere. Um, that storm we had. Uh, Just a couple months ago when I was talking about earlier in the show there, we lost a couple of trees. I had one of those temporary tarp garages in the back where I stored some things like the boat. And uh, well, that tarp garage ended up pretty much uh, in the neighbor's place, which is uh, a good distance away. So it's uh, something that's uh, the weather's changing. So we uh, we always have to be cognizant of it and uh, and be ready for the uh, the ever changing storms that are coming our way and and be ready for for anything that can be uh, thrown our way
1: absolutely we uh it's pretty common for around here for windstorms to cause power outages as well and we had a tree come down behind the house actually yesterday and luckily it went the other way so it worked out well but it wouldn't take much to knock down even the the power to the outbuildings or anything else that's for sure
0: yeah and here we uh like power outages are far and few between we we usually end up with uh maybe one or two maybe three a year but uh, when it does happen though they are uh they definitely last a while anywhere from from seven to twelve hours so it's uh Nice thing to have that generator going. Absolutely. Actually, on the, the subject of location, it's kind of funny. My wife uh, was telling me a
1: story back when she was younger. She lived, was grew up in Winnipeg, of course, and uh, you know a lot of times they'd get snowed in, like you know between the cold weather, the snow, and everything else would drift up and pretty much cover the house. And then they'd go out to try and get to work, and uh, well, lo and behold, the budget for snow clearing had run out, so they uh, oh. they basically couldn't even leave the house. But for them, it became more of a norms thing. So, you know, they had food on, on board and everything else and uh, certainly backup heat systems. It was no biggie for them. Uh, to give you the opposite experience here, I mean, locally, I was talking to a lady, not even like two or three weeks ago, and she was complaining about last winter how when the power went out, she actually had to go sleep in her neighbor's RV and crank up the propane heater there because she didn't have a large blanket in the house. So not I even think, a blanket. Uh, wow. <laughs> nothing at all but because it was basically just more of a um a long-term rental for her so she didn't even bother to uh, bring anything because it's the west coast i mean why would you need a blanket so it's uh it's it's definitely location specific and certainly location dependent on how uh, your mindset is for sure
0: oh absolutely and then you gotta bring in the regional uh issues too right like you could be looking at earthquakes tsunamis uh tornadoes we've actually had a couple of confirmed touchdowns in this area uh just within the last couple of months which is uh kind of out of the norm. There was that big tornado that went through uh, Barry some many years ago now, but uh, as far as them actually being reported the last little while, it's it's been rare, but you gotta keep in mind that uh, they can happen. You gotta be ready for them. Actually, you're right about the uh, tornadoes for sure. We actually had one
1: run through Ottawa there as well this summer, if you remember that one. Oh, I do, yeah. Yeah, and that was a good one. I actually was talking to a friend of mine. He had family there, and of course, he had to phone to make sure that they had uh, missed, and sure if the tornado had basically lifted off just by by their house, gone. Pretty much right over their place, and the touchdown just beyond it. So they were extremely lucky. But I mean, there's not exactly Tornado Alley in the Ottawa area, but they do get them. And uh, I've even seen them in Saskatoon as well. Um, in, uh, when I was living in Saskatchewan at one point, and uh, certainly I actually I grew up around Edmonton right in the '80s, and that's where we had the big one touchdown. Uh, but we actually had some loss of life there as well.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. So other than that, uh, regional issues. You're absolutely right about the uh, tsunami. I mean, we. Uh, Although technically uh, on Vancouver Island, we're in a tsunami zone that's more on the west coast. I'm on the east coast of the island. But I mean, certainly something to think about. I mean, it's uh, it's not unheard of. I mean, of course, if there's probably a, an earthquake big enough to create a tsunami, we'd probably have bigger problems than a, a washed out house. But. Oh, fair enough, yeah. Can't <laughs> hurt to be uh, ready for it, right? Absolutely, I guess the way you look at it one way is if you, know, you have car insurance and you have house insurance, why not uh, food or power supply insurance, but uh, public out, uh, public perception so you'll still needs to come around I think a little bit on all this. But uh, Yeah,
0: fair enough, but uh, with the whole uh, food and power insurance, you're, uh, that's where you start with your prepping, right? Is You start with just a little bit of extra food here and there when you're shopping, an extra can or two, a, a case of water or something and some batteries and you just grow it from there and next thing you know you've got uh, a little bit of extra insurance that uh you know, you're ready to go if uh, if something does happen
1: absolutely and hopefully podcasts like this will help uh people get started for sure
0: i hope so yeah and hopefully take some of the myths out and uh hopefully at some point it won't be such a, a political thing where everybody looks at you sideways and they realize that it's something important to, to be getting into absolutely so what's your
1: uh, what's your take on the uh the i guess the uh, the federal management aspect of all this
0: yeah, so if uh, if you've been kind of in the prepper area for the last couple of years, I think you've, you've probably noticed that uh, government has been been hopping on board a lot more the last, uh, I don't know, I'd say about the last two years or so, um, where they're, they're starting to get the word out that, uh, you know, you should be having something at your house or in your vehicle that can get you through for at least 72 hours or three days. Uh, from what I'm hearing, rumor-wise, they're going to start pushing that out to about 96 hours. But uh, for now, their big push is 72. You know they're, they're trying to push that out there because governments you know like they they've got some inefficiencies going on they can't be coming to every single house to help every single person at the uh the onset of something going on uh which is kind of what i saw when i was uh working frontline in emergency services there is you, you'd have a, an ice storm for example come in and there'd be just hundreds and hundreds of calls for individual people that just didn't know what to do because the power was out it's like you know like You should be able to deal with at least a power outage for for 12 to 24 hours. Oh, absolutely. I would think it's
1: going to take at least 72 hours for the government to get anything in place, let alone any sort of like a massive support level of of services for sure. Oh, absolutely. I I think by mentioning the 72-hour bag and 72-hour kits uh, from the government aspect, I think they're just trying to make it less daunting for people to get into it more than anything else. Uh, You know, I don't think 72 hours is a realistic goal uh, or a realistic goal for the government to make it there in time. But I think it's a good start. It's certainly better than nothing for most people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it it gives somebody a number to, to plan towards too. I think it's, you know, you, you tell somebody 72 hours or three days, you can kind of get your head wrapped around, you know, I can, okay, I can find food for and store it in my place for, for three days. And and eventually I figure people will go, well, maybe I'll push a little bit more than three days. And I think that's kind of the hope is at least you can kind of get your head wrapped around like three days isn't that big of a deal. And then, uh, people will will kind of expand from there, maybe buy a little bit more food and a little bit more water and, and just get the mindset going. Yeah, I have to give them credit. I mean, at least they are advertising the 72-hour aspect,
1: uh, even locally at little local farm fairs or, you know, you might see it like a parade. You might see a little government stand or something where they do talk about, you know, some basic preparedness stuff or, or quiz you on it or anything else. And interestingly enough, there's actually one lady that had a stand here at the local farm fair this last summer. And, you know, she was trying to do emergency preparedness for the regional district. And uh, they had a draw where as long as you could uh, prove that you've done something to increase your preparedness, you were in a draw for a a grocery store certificate, which I thought was interesting. Well, hopefully uh, the grocery store has food on the shelf still. Well, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Interestingly enough though, I I sent in my little uh, application because I took a little picture of something I'd done around the house and uh, she goes, well, you're one of six people that have actually sent me an email. So um, I thought I had pretty good odds, but I still didn't win. (laughs) Oh,
0: really? One of six? You still didn't win? Uh, So it's not time to go buy a lottery ticket then? Uh, Not yet, no. (laughs) Uh, The thing I found interesting in this region, uh, like Simcoe Emergency Management, they've been pushing uh, the last little while on on social media, like Facebook, for example. Um, They've just been doing some ads about 72-hour kits and and how to get them together. And uh, even if you go to their website, and I'll uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so everybody can kind of check them out. But uh, they have checklists that are put together to... To help you kind of plan things out and they have a list of things that you should have and uh, they uh, they try to kind of demystify things as well so that was kind of nice to see that um, at least the local government in my area here are starting to kind of put the put the word out and uh, trying to make sure that people are, are at least uh, prepared for that 72 hour time frame
1: well i think it's certainly something that they've uh, they've certainly progressed on for sure because up until i'd say the last couple of years they're their real effort's been limited to, you know, basically increasing legislation or, or government powers just in case, like the Emergency Management Act or anything else like that, that would basically just allow them to seize, you know, supplies as necessary from local sources, which may maybe us or maybe it anything else. could be, else. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact is, is that uh, they, they, it was mostly theoretical up until this point, but at least now they're trying to be a little more proactive about it, which is certainly a
0: step forward oh absolutely that's yeah, good to see and it uh it kind of starts to help normalize things too right and uh if uh if there's you know governments pushing out the fact that um you know you got to be ready for 72 hours it gets people starting to talk about it uh people start to talk about it and then it kind of becomes sort of a, a socially acceptable sort of thing versus um how it can be perceived currently for sure actually one, one good example i can think of actually
1: recently was the fort mcmurray fires you know people when they when the fires basically started Almost simultaneously around town, there's actually, I think, five different fires starting at the same time, which is, I mean, fishy at best, but who knows? I mean, it could have been a natural event with thunderstorms or whatever have you. But, you know, people didn't have a whole lot of time to get going. And, uh, of course, by not having the tank better than half full or anything else, you know, people got as far as their gas tank would take them, which wasn't very far in a lot of cases. So they're racing a fire behind them and they're also dealing with traffic. So uh, for the most part, they only got as far as uh, either the gas or the first accident because in the panic, of course, people don't drive. Overly uh, responsibly. So the problem is, I guess, for the most part, they were stopped on a highway until they, uh, it ended up being a privately owned mobile unit, fuel unit showed up to uh, help top off their tanks to get them further south. Because, I mean, let's face it, the government couldn't possibly have gotten a, a government mandated fuel supply truck there within 72 hours. So, No, definitely I mean, not. No, unfortunately. So the, the government's first response in the media was actually just to limit ATV use in the crown land, which, you know, sounds great prevent further fires but doesn't actually do as much for the current situation at hand unfortunately so but at least it was something and at least it uh you know it's coming along so hopefully people learn some lessons from that especially with a, a town like that with only one road out uh, heading south and you know i guess further into the bush going north i suppose if you want to go to the other oil patches
0: yeah that's uh that's a good point and something that uh, you got to keep in mind too with your, your emergency planning there is if you do plan on leaving your location where you are a lot of other people are going to be leaving as well so you might want to uh Take into account that your vehicle might not get you nearly as far as you think it's going to get you or it might actually work out great and you, you might get through and uh and be on your way to where you're you're heading but uh keep in mind that you're not the only one with a vehicle that's going to be uh, leaving that area and you might want to take off a little bit earlier than than you think you should be just to, uh, to beat that crowd and to to not be stuck sitting on the highway going i wish i left a couple hours earlier
1: well, I don't think it's going to kill anybody if they want to leave their tank at, you know, better than half
0: full at all times
1: in a place like that, just to Oh, nope, that as well. Yeah, I mean, because you can get pretty far on half a tank of gas as long as
0: you're the first one out of the town. Oh, yeah, I always say uh, half tank is empty. So I usually, uh, when it gets to half tank, I'm off to the gas station to fill up. So uh, may as well have a full tank and let it sit there and hope I never need it, right?
1: So going forward with the idea of personal setup and experiences, Eric, uh, you know, we talked about the uh, hurricane. We talked about the snowstorms. Anything that you'd uh, do personally, just to uh, you know, cover the the bases for your your most obvious or most probable events around your
0: house? Oh well, yeah, the um, one of the main reasons I ended up actually buying the house that I'm in now is a it came with that uh, that whole home uh, automatic generator, which is great if the power cuts out. Count to ten. The generator kicks in and, and repowers the house. I don't even have to go and flip a switch or do anything. It's all automatic. So the only thing that I have to do hands-on with that is, uh, you know, make sure the oils change, changed, make sure the air filter is clean, and, and just some general maintenance uh, once a year to make sure that it's uh, in good work and order. Uh, the other reason I ended up buying this place is I've got two uh, wood-burning fireplaces in it that are operational. So if uh, something does happen, uh, for example, about three so three or four years ago, furnace conked out on me and... Uh, I had no heat in the house for a couple of days because the furnace guy, uh, who's local in this area, was just swamped with calls. So all I did was, uh, and it was chilly too. It was uh, around actually this time, so it was getting cold at, at night, and uh, I just threw a couple logs in the fire, and and that kept the house warm until he was able to come out. But three or four days later, and fixed up, and I ended up having to put a whole new furnace in the house. But yeah, it is what it is. Joy's a home ownership, right? Sounds so like you're. A, are your gas powered there with your generator? Uh, it is natural gas powered, yeah. So one of my thoughts is down the road too, is you can convert it to propane. So there's just a little switch inside, so it'll do either natural gas or propane. So I'd like to get a, a propane tank here as well, just in the, the off chance that something were to happen and the natural gas isn't flowing anymore, at least I could switch over to something that I maintain versus having uh, a company maintain the, the natural gas. So I can flip it over to propane if I have to and I can use the propane instead, but that's uh, that's something down the road I want to look into. And I always usually end up holding at least two bush cord worth of wood here in the the back shed just so I've got enough wood. If uh, if something were to happen in the middle of the winter time and I lost the furnace for a significant period of time, same scenario was when I did actually lose the furnace, I can just throw the wood in the fire and, and keep the place, place warm at least and, and go from there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting uh, with a natural gas generator, actually I learned from a, a neighbor of ours back when I lived in Ontario that... Uh, If you're actually in a town system on natural gas, there's only about four inches of water column on the pressure there, so for the town uh, accumulators, but interestingly enough, uh, provided that not too many other people are sucking off the same uh, source there, actually that natural gas would probably retain enough pressure to run a generator for at least a couple of weeks, which is very interesting.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah, uh, I like the idea of having the natural gas just because it's it's always flowing, but uh in the off chance that something were to happen having that uh that secondary uh, fuel source would be great so it's definitely on my list of projects is to to figure out how to uh to get a propane tank in here and hook it all up and uh you know obviously make it safe so that i can just flip it and not uh blow the place up but also if uh, something were to happen i could just flip the switch and, and go over to propane that'd be awesome no it's very good actually i've got a fairly similar system over here i mean you know, we've got a, a i can't say it but
1: it's my primary i can certainly say it's a backup heat source here it's a it's a wood stove i mean uh Insurance wouldn't let me use it as a main heat source, but uh, we do have a uh, wood stove here in the main part of the house. It's a fairly small house, open concept, and so we use that as our backup heat and cooking setup uh, to combat the most likely event for us, which is power outages, which, I mean, it probably happens about six to ten times a year here um, on the odd, you know, super-duper emergency event that we get, which is like heavy, wet snow. That usually causes a guaranteed power outage for at least the better part of a day. So uh, that's certainly something to have around the house. And, and we have a basically a winter's worth of wood sitting in the woodshed cupboard to keep the rain off as well. You know, as far as the uh, the, the winter uh, winter in Manitoba article we were talking about there, I was trying to keep some snacks, water, and a jacket in the car, you know, basically uh, seasonally dependent. So whether it's a rain jacket or even just a light jacket for summertime. I always oh. tell the kids to uh, make sure and dress like you're you're going to have to walk home.
0: <laughs> that's great advice, yeah. As you never know, right? It could happen. Well, I mean, after I get
1: past the eye rolls, they do listen to me and grab the appropriate jacket. So
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's a topic that we'll get into in another podcast as well. It's just uh, seasonal preparedness and and uh, the fact that you should be flipping your stuff over as the seasons come. And we'll talk about various things you can add to kits and and what you should have. Uh, depending on the season, but that's uh, something we'll get into in a, in a future episode for sure. Absolutely. I guess you got got a bit of an idea here, Uh, Eric, if you're okay with this, I'm going to do do something called a
1: podcast challenge, uh, basically where we try and get the, uh, the listeners, uh, not sure how many we have yet, but I'm sure they'll increase with time. we are going to try and give them a challenge uh, every podcast now, which is kind of like a small, low cost, kind of a low profile thing you can do to increase your level of preparedness um, without looking like a doomsday prepper or anything else to your friends or anything else. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to run this by you. And, uh, you know, if, and it's certainly for the listeners, if they, uh, if they have any feedback on if they met the challenge or found a better or cheaper way to do it, I'd love to hear about it because I mean, there's, there's 6 million different ways to do the same thing for sure when it comes to uh, preparedness. Absolutely.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'd love to get uh, the listeners kind of involved in this and make it more of an interactive type of show versus, uh, you know, two of us just gabbing away at people and, and them listening that that's great and everything, but if we can get this, uh, be more of an interactive show and and get everybody kind of involved and and have some fun with it that uh, would be great for sure and i mean honestly it's uh even better
1: if we can find something we can disagree on rather than just be an echo chamber as well so for sure if you guys have something that's going to be a tough uh, tough answer we'd love to hear about it for sure so i think for today's podcast challenge i think i'd like to uh get uh, any listeners to send in the idea of maybe uh, making a list of any local hazards they might personally face uh and with which would which one would be a priority to them as well because i mean if you're preparing for the most likely event to happen. It's probably the best use of your resources for sure. So um, if you have, if you and if you want us to talk about any particular hazard or eventuality, please let us know for sure. We can always use another podcast idea.
0: Well, oh, yeah, that'd be great, and then we can uh, we can discuss it. We can open up the uh, the idea to to everybody that's listening. We can really get the conversation going. And then, uh, as I've said in past episodes as well, if you want to actually be on the show and discuss it instead of just emailing in, let us know. We'll get you on the show. Um, all you need is a microphone, and then um, we'll get you hooked up with the next time we're recording. And you can talk about things yourself if you'd like, and share your experiences uh, firsthand. Um, or if you're not comfortable with that, put it in an email, and we'll read it out ourselves and uh, and get your information out there for everybody else to listen to. Sounds good. And
1: actually, and on that note too, uh, needing a microphone is certainly important. I, uh, I'm talking on my cell phone microphone for now, but uh, I'll certainly get a better one by the next podcast. So I do appreciate the listener's patience with the audio quality
0: for today. Did we uh, get any uh, listener email this time or Uh The only email that uh, we've received since the last show was from iTunes, and thankfully they've uh, approved my application. So um, we're going to be able to be found on uh, iTunes now. So that is exciting. We're starting to grow, and uh, we're still on Podbean, of course, but uh, iTunes has approved us as well. But uh, besides that, um, no, uh, no feedback for uh, this time around. But uh, hopefully in our next recording, we'll have some people that have emailed in. Absolutely. And uh, where can people get a hold of you if they need to get a hold of you with the listener email? So the uh, the best way to email the show is feedback at uh, prepperpodcast.ca, and then that way I can uh, read the email and then get your information out there. Uh, as always, let me know if you want me to use your your name or if you want to stay anonymous. If you you want to be anonymous, and obviously I'm not uh, put your name and information out there. Um, if you don't want to stay anonymous and you want to use your name and uh, general location, then make sure to put that in as well. And I'll make sure to mention it uh, when we're, we're reading your feedback during the feedback portion of the show.
1: Well, sounds great. As we get towards the end of the podcast here, Eric, I want to just do a little shout out section here, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, just uh, first things first. I mean, just because this is one of our, uh, our first episodes and certainly our first joint episode, I actually had to ask some technical advice from a couple other people. So I just want to give uh, Andrew from Canadian Patriot Podcast a bit of a shout out. He uh, certainly helped me with some initial setup questions and uh, probably saved me about 15, 20 minutes, maybe even an hour worth of Google searching before I finally got to what I actually needed. And uh, so from this beginner, a very big thank you for sure. And if you haven't checked out his podcast already, that'd be great. Uh, it's Canadian Patriot podcast. It's uh, a little edgy, uh, probably edgier than our show will ever be, but uh, it's certainly informative and it's, uh, you know, it can't hurt to look at a different viewpoint as well.
0: Well, absolutely. It's a great podcast. I've been listening to it for, for quite some time now and uh, I quite enjoy it. And uh, I thank them as well for, uh, for, you know, being able to give us some information to help us uh, figure out how to get this recording thing going. Absolutely. I also got one more shout out. That's
1: just to you, Eric, for thanks uh, for letting me join this podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been fun so far. I'd love to do another one for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, thanks for, uh, for coming out. And it's uh it's way better to be able to actually talk to, to somebody else and uh, sit in my, uh, my office here and just kind of talk to myself and then hope that everybody else is listening. So it's uh, it's nice to have a, another guest on and, uh, and a co-host it's great absolutely it's
1: been it's been fun for sure
0: so where can we find uh, the podcast now just for now uh so we are still on podbean so uh if you you hop on podbean.com and uh, and search for us there and now apparently we're on uh, itunes so you can search for us on itunes and uh, as more episodes come out i'll uh, we'll be starting to, uh, to be able to post to other locations as well uh, Spotify, uh, we actually need to hit the five-episode five, uh, five episode, uh, number before we're able to publish to them. But uh, as soon as we hit episode number five, I'll be hitting the button to publish to them, and then you'll be able to find us on there as well. As far as preparedness needs, uh, Eric, do you have any uh, suggestions? Well, uh, I would suggest the, uh, the store that I run being uh, Rapid Survival. You can find me there. It's uh, rapidsurvival.com. Uh, all kinds of emergency preparedness gear there, Uh, i got ham radios, food, uh, water storage, uh, you name it, it's there, Uh, so you can check that out and uh, certainly if you have any questions you can flip me an email and ask as well. And uh, how about you Ian, how can we get a hold of you?
1: Well, uh, I'm available at the uh, email account for now, theislandretreat at Um, gmail.com, I don't really do Facebook or any of the other uh, social media programs at all, that's kind of a policy in the house here for sure. For, uh, by all means, just drop an email if you have any questions, uh, either region specific or general in nature at all. Uh, I'm always available to answer questions for sure.
0: Perfect. Well, with that I think I'm going to do, uh, to end episode number three of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, tune in for the next episode. Uh, we're going to cover off uh, hunting, uh, some more ways that you can be prepared around your own place, and uh, hopefully some listener feedback as well. So it's going to be a good uh, a good episode, and uh, looking forward to to getting that out there. Thanks everyone for for tuning in and until next time, be prepared, stay safe and uh, keep on learning.